Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome again, everyone, to the Feeding and Leading Podcast. My name is Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner for Oklahoma Baptist, and I am joined freshly off of a trip (laughs) from New Orleans and maybe a couple of days of vacation. I don't know if I'd say freshly, but... Well, recently. Yeah, there you go. Recently. We did take a few days vacation at the beach. Yes. In Orange Beach, Alabama. Beautiful place. I was just down the road. It rained. Fort Morgan. It rained half the time on us, but uh, it did get away, but uh, the the annual meeting gave uh, a lot to talk about. I've been talking to a whole lot of pastors. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. I didn't. I didn't mention actually your name, Dr. Todd Fisher, our executive <laughs> director uh, for Oklahoma Baptist. Let's talk about uh, the SBC in New Orleans. Yeah. Can we start off with just some fun stuff? Yeah. And can I say that the 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 night that we had at the World War II Museum, put on by OBU and by Water's Edge and Oklahoma Baptist, was outstanding. That was, was so great. much fun. That was a tremendous venue. And it was just great. It was great. We we had a really great representation of Oklahoma Baptist at the annual meeting this year. Um, I can't remember what the – I think it was over 400 registered messengers from Oklahoma that were at the annual meeting, which is really a great number for yeah. us. Yeah, fantastic. Saw people from literally all over the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. large church, small church, um, it was it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed. It. What what was some of your what was this like? Maybe fun, favorite kind of time, or you know, a, well, a being you, at the convention. You know, I, I love the convention just because of the people you get to see, and it's always a little bit like a family reunion. I I love watching, observing the the connection of everybody. Yeah, especially like that night at the World War II Museum. Yeah, you know, a couple of times I just kind of stood over in the corner and just looked at everyone all talking connecting um you know i know your kids were there my kids were there uh and and i saw my children teenagers connecting with other yeah pastors teenagers it's just that was one of my favorite parts and i i have come to appreciate and value the relationships that pastors and their families have with one another and with others, uh, I see being in this job for a year and a half now, I, I have come to understand the importance of that more than ever. Yeah. And uh, it's just always good to see that. Uh, to me, one of the big highlights of the annual meeting was the 79 missionaries that we commissioned. No question. And by the way, uh, two of those 79, a couple, yeah. uh, husband and wife team, uh, were uh, – were part of that 79 from Oklahoma. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, it's just amazing when you get to see them on the screen and you hear about them and you think about the calling in their life, you think about what they're giving up and sacrificing. But then, too, it's just it's always moving to me to see those ones that are behind the screen. screen, You know, we can even show their face or show their real name because they're going to closed countries where this is illegal to go and share the gospel. And I just think, wow, the sacrifice, the commitment – 
uh, of these individuals to take the Great Commission to the world. Uh, I just, it's, it's a moving thing. And the other thing I love about it is because that, that's us. That's who we are. And, and too many times we Baptists are known for our disagreements and our controversies and our arguments and all that. But, I mean, when you study Baptist history, that's the reason we ever came together in the first place was to fund missions yeah. and, I, I, and to do missions. And that has got to be the heartbeat of who we are. And it's not that these other things are not, you know, are, they're not important. They are important, and we need to deal with that. But, boy, we can never just be doing all the that stuff at the exclusion of, at the ignorance of mm-hmm. missions. Yeah. That's just got to be at the the center of who we are, and it's it's why we come together. It's why we cooperate. It's why we have the the cooperative program. You know, if it wasn't for missions, I mean, we would just I think we'd just be a bunch of independent Baptists, autonomous churches doing our own thing. Yeah. So I, I, that to me is is the highlight. Yeah. Right there. A L- lot of sermons that were preached. Really uh, good. Good. Yeah. Good so slate. It, maybe a dangerous question, but any any particular. Sermon or or Man. or a part of a sermon that you, you know, thought about some that was of those, spot on. Yeah, some of those in the pastors' conference. Those 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 messages are, are just always so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, and I, I I like too in the pastors' conference. It's there's going to be guys up there that you don't know that you haven't heard of. Um, and it's like wow, and it just just it reminds you of of the commitment to biblical expository preaching that we have in the SBC as a whole. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I think that's tremendous right there. Let's, uh, let's talk about the reelection of Bart Barber. This was mm-hmm. a little bit um, unprecedented. Yeah. So it was unprecedented that someone in the second year that he, he would have someone run against him and that was Mike Stone. Yeah. And um, two great candidates. Um, I just, you know, I think the 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 percentage of the vote might have been a little surprising to some, but mm-hmm. you know, Bart was the incumbent. But both candidates are, in my opinion, are conservative, Bible believing. Um, you know, just you know, good good guys. But uh, uh, you know, messengers at the end of the day went with the in, in, incumbent guy on that. Yeah, you saw a, a little different style of presiding over mm-hmm. a, a convention. Bar- Barber was very unique. <laughs> yeah, he has a good kind of folksy approach. Yeah, uh, I, I liked what he said in the media uh, junket uh, on Wednesday afternoon. One of the reporters asked him, uh, "Where did you Where did you learn about all this procedural stuff? Parliamentary procedural." thing and, and Robert Rolls Warder and his answer was I learned it going to FFA meetings. You know <laughs> wow. and I thought, wow, yeah. that's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. So um yeah, I, you know, I, I think the, the 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 two big takeaways from this annual meeting um that I appreciated was an emphasis on missions, an emphasis on uh, evangelism and mission that that's that's our core and and I appreciated too that as we walk away from that meeting the decisions that the messengers made it just reaffirms our commitment to biblical authority yeah. and obviously the the center stage of that was um, was the whole issue of pastor elder uh, who's qualified to be that yeah. And, you know, it's in our confession in the Baptist Faith and Message that uh, the office of pastor, elder, overseer, um, that that is reserved for 
qualified males. That's the we, we believe the scripture teaches that. Oh, it's in our confession. And um, I, I do think at the root of that, you know, we are talking about our commitment to biblical authority. And so I, I, I was pleased that the messengers of our convention uh, reaffirmed that commitment to the Scripture and reaffirmed that commitment to biblical authority, reaffirmed a commitment that we are not going to look at the Scripture through the lens of culture or self. We're going to look at the Scripture through the lens of uh, you know, authorial intent. We're going to look at the, the Scripture from that perspective as it was given to us by the writers who are inspired by God to write it. Um, at the same time, I do think we're going to have some things to work on, and that came out in terms of church autonomy and our polity. And uh, that was with the Mike Law Amendment that was passed um, by the messengers. And, yeah, and um, would you just give a, a rundown about what the law amendment was because yeah, I, I heard some people kind of confused about yeah, what, what he was actually so, getting at. So a couple of things happened in our annual meeting uh, that I, I just I'd touch on real quick. One, there was an amendment to the Baptist Faith and Message. And the amendment to the BFNM, so we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the Baptist Faith and Message, our confession. Right. Um, and also then our constitution as as a as a convention. And so first of all on the on the Vast Fifth message, um I think a lot of people were surprised to know how easy it was to amend the BFNM. I don't think a lot of people knew that. You know, somebody can get up and make a motion they want to amend the BFNM and the message approve it, it's done. So e- even technically uh, we actually have a 2023 version of the BFNM now. Yeah. Even though it was a very small change, um, the BFNM amendment basically already says in the BFNM that only qualified males can be pastor. Pastors. But it added the ling- it added the terms elder and overseer to that word pastor. Right. So it was uh, a small change. Um, I think it 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 does bring some clarity there to add those to add elder and overseer to that. Um, I I would I would not be surprised at all, Andy, if one of the first things that's brought up in Indianapolis next year is that we make it more difficult to amend the BFNM. So yeah. the constitution of the SBC is a difficult thing to amend. Right. You have to have a two thirds vote of right. the messengers, and you have to have it two years in a row. Right. And, the and BF- I think most people under- thought R- That's how you would do the BFNM. In fact, BFNM. I actually yeah. texted you and said, yeah. is this, does yeah. the BFNM change not have to follow the same suit as the Constitution, yes. which it does not Yes. So currently? I would not be surprised, and honestly, I don't disagree with that. I think it should be more difficult to amend the BFNM. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my uh, opinion on that. But So the law amendment... Um, adds to there is a part of our constitution that talks about what what makes a church cooperating, mm-hmm. and so we kind of have to give a little bit of some backdrop to that. You know, technically, no church is a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. Correct. In fact, in fact, the Southern Baptist Convention it, it is a convention. It's not really even a denomination. It's a two and a half um, day it, gathering. It's not. Yes, yes, it's 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 not even really technically a network of churches. The Southern Baptist Convention is a meeting that has institutions. It has IMB, NAM. 
ERLC, EC, and the six seminaries. It is a meeting. So there's a little quip that goes around that says, you know, technically the SBC only exists two days out of the year. Well, actually, that's correct if you read our, our, our constitution. So there is a part in there about what – well, so we don't really have churches that are member churches. So we don't kick out. Like, like Saddleback was not kicked out. Hmm. Saddleback was determined to be not in friendly cooperation. So that's kind of some of the semantics and nuances that are there. And all of that is geared around our belief in autonomy of the church and our belief in congregational governance. Um, So the law amendment, there's a part of the Constitution that says these are the things that would make a church be in friendly cooperation. And in the SBC bylaws, it says essentially two things. One, you you have to affirm a, a confession that is closely akin, closely like, closely similar to the Baptist faith message. So our own constitution does not does not require a church to even adhere to the BFNM to be cooperating. Part of that again right. goes back to autonomy and the fact that the BFNM is not a creed. It is a confession. And so, so they could hold to uh, BFNM 2000, BFN 63, right. 25, the yeah. London Confession. Yes, and yeah. and you know, and yeah. and those and that confession and the BFNM gives room for a lot of differences amongst us. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have we got we got Southern Baptists that are Reformed and not Reformed. We got Southern Baptists that have open communion and closed communion. We have Southern Baptists that. Uh, have what is commonly called alien immersion, and some that don't. I mean, you know, it, it, we have we have Southern Baptists that have different eschatological views, uh, soteriological views, ecclesiological views. There's so, no percentage of how much you have to give to the cooperative program to, to right. And so, so one, you yeah. got you got to affirm a confession closely akin to the BFNM. Two, you've got to give at least something to either the CP or to an entity. Yeah, something that's going to go through Nashville, go through the executive committee, and then you would be considered in friendly cooperation. Right. Okay, in the Constitution, then there is a part of that on the co- what makes a cooperating church, and there is a parenthetical note that gives some examples of what would make a church not in friendly cooperation. And and some of those examples are in there. Is does the church affirm? Uh, homosexuality, then it would not be in friendly cooperation. Does it affirm racism? Does it harbor or practice racism in some in any way? It's not in friendly cooperation. Does it harbor abuse if it refuses to deal with someone in the church that is a known abuser? Those are things that would make a church not in friendly cooperation. The law amendment adds another example, and um, I, I don't have the exact terminology, but it's you know affirms employees, I, I, and I think we amended the amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. Uh, when um, oh, good grief, I'm, my my mind's gone blank. Well, Juan Sanchez from Texas, yeah, kind of put it in a more positive uh, phrasing, but essentially it says you know if a church uh, employs affirms uh, a woman pastor of any kind. Uh, then they would not be in friendly cooperation. So that that was approved in Nashville, in um, in in New Orleans. It will need to be approved again by a two thirds majority in Indianapolis. Um, there, I think there are some concerns. I, I don't think there's any. There's no doubt about the theology behind the thing, and that we as Southern Baptist Convention are very strongly fully. 
complementarian. I mean, the vote on Saddleback was 88 to 89 to 11, I think, yep. to affirm the Credentials Committee's ruling that they yep. were not in friendly cooperation because they had ordained women as pastors, as elders. Uh, same thing about the church in Kentucky. Fern Creek. Fern Creek. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there's no doubt. I don't, I don't think you can – you cannot walk away from that meeting in New Orleans, New Orleans and honestly say we're waffling on complementarianism in the SBC. We passed a resolution that affirmed it as well. So we're strongly complementarian. Uh, I think some of the some of the concerns about the law amendment that many have is not a theology issue but a polity issue. Uh, does the law amendment give a credentials committee too much power? Does it create a slippery slope? Wh wh where do we stop putting examples in that parenthesis? You know, mm -hmm. right. if, we, if we're going to go after churches on the women pastor thing, then we're going to start going after them on open communion. And, you know, anyway, those are all just concerns that people have. I think there are also concerns about just the, the terminology here. Do we have churches in the SBC that are fully complementarian, that would have a woman on, on their, their staff, and they, they give that woman the title pastor? Uh, yes, we do have churches in the convention that are firmly, strongly complementarian, but they've used that title pastor with a woman on staff. Uh, we're going to have to work through those issues mm -hmm. because at the at the end of the day, we want to honor the Scripture. We want to obey what the Scripture says, which clearly teaches a complementarian position, in my opinion, and in the opinion of Southern Baptists, that is our confession, and that was how the messengers voted. Um, so I think we're going to have some of those things to work through, and, mm -hmm. and the past presidents of the SBC – uh, did put forth a motion that was approved to essentially form a study committee that would that would kind of line out what makes a cooperating church. Mm -hmm. So we've got a year to work on this. Um, our, our doctrinal theological commitment is strong. We've made that very clear. That's not in doubt. But we're going to have to work on some of the, the polity and autonomy issues in here. The other thing I would want to say in this that's very important to me is the narrative – that's kind of being said about the annual meeting is that it was a referendum uh, condemning women in ministry. And not that's true. just not true. It's yeah. just not true. And yeah. and we, we want to hold to what the Scripture teaches about complementarianism. And at the same time, we, we incredibly value yeah. and appreciate and have to have the role of women in ministry. And, and Todd, and if you were in that room, that was not that the was tone. not the tone. It at was not all. the feeling at all. And, and we have women on church staff. I'm not just talking about you know uh, we oh we have to have women to do the nursery. I'm not talking no. about that. Yeah, we've got even in Oklahoma right now, we have women in on staff in 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 positions of of, of service um, all over the church. That, that they are doing that, and it's within a complementarian framework. Mm -hmm. So they're not the senior pastor. They're not preaching. They're not, you know, teaching all. But we, we, we've got women who, who are, are, are leading missions in churches. We have women who are leading music and worship in churches. We have women who are doing administrative things in churches. We have women that are doing communications and um, uh, the tech and all that stuff. We've got women in positions of leadership and service in our church. 
And all of that is still within a, a framework of complementarianism. You know, we just understand that as God created us and as God has laid it out for us in the Scripture and the church, that the order of these things, that men and women have these unique roles. And it really saddens me to think that, you know, people would think, wow, we just we, – we hate women. We, wanna, we don't want women doing anything in church or in ministry. And that's just not true. And I think we've got to do some good work right there yeah. in our state and in the SBC where we affirm women in ministry. I strongly believe that God calls women to ministry, gifts them for ministry. But I strongly believe that God gave us the Scripture as it is, and we can find a great ground there within the framework of complementarianism where we honor and we value women in ministry. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One other question before we we wrap up. I think just one thing that we need to touch on that I've heard a little bit about coming out of uh, out of the convention is, okay, really thought that going into New Orleans we were going to talk more about the abuse task force yeah, yeah. and and there was there was some uh, some yeah. uh, stuff that I, was done on that. But where do you think that we sit right now? I think that's a I think that's a key thing too. That and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that we need to mention as a takeaway from the annual meeting. So we, 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 we have a, a task force and it's a, it's a, it's a abuse response implementation task force that's basically going to say, okay, we had this investigation done. We see some of the issues that we need to take care of in the SBC in terms of abuse, how we can help our churches uh, prevent abuse, report abuse and care for abuse survivors. So we have a task force that's going to implement these things. One of the key things this task force will do is a ministry check website where we have a database in the Southern Baptist Convention where known abusers are on this database and a church can look at this database before they hire someone. The key thing we're trying to do right there is we're trying to prevent an abuser going down the road and just abusing more minors or doing more abusive activity at another church where we stop this any cycle. And I don't think this is a prevalent thing in the SBC to start with, but we want to eliminate it completely. All of it, yeah. That, stop. that any abuser would just be able to move down to the next church. We want, we must stop that. Churches have to be a safe place for kids and youth to attend and anyone to attend. So... I think what's happened is that beca- that ended up being a daunting task. There are things about that website, um, the credibly accused issue, mm-hmm. yeah. which which is a difficult thing. And and I think at the end of the day, what the task force just came to the messengers and said is, you know what, we need more time on on how to figure out how to do this right. And I appreciated that, and I appreciate that the messengers overwhelmingly affirmed that. So mm-hmm. the messengers gave this task force another year to work. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's great. And, I, and I, I appreciate the messengers doing that. And I look forward to seeing what they're going to bring to us in Indianapolis. And they give updates as they go along and work along. But the issue of abuse is one we have to take incredibly seriously. And we as churches need to work very hard at making sure our churches are safe places and that we're preventing abuse, we're reporting abuse, and we're caring for abuse survivors. That's yeah. got to be a critical thing for us. And I think the messengers recognize that and voted accordingly so we can continue to improve and do the very best we can on uh, on that issue. Todd, I think a very encouraging 
coming out of New Orleans. Um, a number of things um, reaffirmed for us mm-hmm. as Southern Baptists. Always, I always come away from the convention thinking, yep, that's, there's a number of reasons right there. That's why I'm Southern Baptist. Yep, that's right. Whether it's the cooperative program or it's, um, and everything that's, that's brought together with that. It's our doctrine, which mm-hmm. I think that we, it's been reaffirmed again. There is no liberal drift mm-hmm. in, in the SBC. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm looking forward to this next year of work. Mm-hmm. And as we move towards Indianapolis, uh, to once again celebrate what God is doing. That's right. In That's our right. Churches. All right. Well, thank you for that update. And uh, we, uh, we will look forward to seeing you in Indianapolis. <laughs> but we also will look forward to seeing you again next, uh, next time uh, here on the Feeding and Leading podcast. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptist. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptist, advancing the gospel together.